And three, two, one, four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a TikTok turn right now. You have to close your eyes and clap and at clap the same, same time. time. Oh. <laughs> close enough. Hold on, try. Oh, one more try, and then we're actually gonna get off. My name is Gemma and I'm one of the Berean interns here. Uh, the Berea internship is one of the programs that we run for um, our young leaders in the church. So it's a really cool thing to be a part of. Uh, on my right, I'm joined by Katie Anderson. How are you going, my friend? Oh, I'm good, going good, Gem. Thanks. That's good. Um, I heard that last week you were involved in something pretty cool that was happening with the kids. Do you want to fill us in on what that was? Yeah, Um Last Saturday before church, we had a Kids Ecclesia and Kids Ecclesia is kind of just like a thing um, where all the kids who are from, I think, preschool to year six come together and we all hang out and we sing some praises to God and we read from the Bible and we pray and we hear from God's word um, and we also maybe do a memory verse or other fun things together. Um, and we usually do that once a term. And so we decided to do one online. And so that was last week. And um, Tim and I got to be at the factory um, leading the kids with some songs. And um, Tim gave a cracker a cracker talk. And we um, had a memory verse, and which I think should be coming out on video for the kids to remember in the newsletter um, and we also got to hang out with Lionel and all the kids were so excited we were we were chatting and hanging out and I think it's safe to say the kids have a new friend and yeah it was just really fun and uh, I loved it and I hope the kids loved it too. That's super awesome it's really encouraging to see uh, you guys as the kids team trying to maintain something that you guys do uh, regularly each term so that was really cool to hear about that. Uh, on my left, I'm joined by Stu. How are you going, Stu? I'm good, thanks, Gemma. That's good. I noticed you've got a, uh, a McDonald's cup there. I don't know if anyone else is following the Monopoly deals, but I, I noticed you have a fresh uh, peely thing to do. Yeah, so I, I feel like we actually. could do that on do, the... Do you reckon I'll do it now? Yeah, I think so. Right, Drum roll. Okay, I ripped it in half. Uh-oh. Uh, Can you read what it is? I'm going to try. Yeah. Oh. All right, so it says, got a chance card. What does that mean? Oh, oh I don't know. But my dad's collecting them, so I'll have one. <coughs> right. The chance cards are kind of annoying because you've got to, like, actually get the app and, like, try and, you know, yeah, read dad. it. But um, thanks for uh, that bit of fun, Stu. I wanted to ask you, we were chatting earlier about some of the mm. plans for the future of our church, and mm. I just was wondering if you wanted to share that with everyone. Yeah, that's a really good question, Gemma. I just wanted to start off by saying that we really appreciate this is continuing to be a really difficult uh, time for everybody, and we've been away from each other for a long time now. Uh, as a church, we're really keen to keep everybody safe and actually come back to public gatherings carefully and properly. And over the last couple of weeks, We've had some communication in the newsletter about that. If you haven't got a newsletter, please get in touch through the website. My phone number's on the website. You can get in touch with me through that. We also sent out a survey to get people's opinions on um, some of the things for the planning day that we had the, 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 a week ago. And the planning day was great. It gave people an opportunity to talk about how long it's going to take for our service teams to get ready to come back. And we also talked about being a church that we were going to wait till we have really clear instructions from our Archbishop Kanishka about what is involved in coming back so that we can keep everybody safe and we can include each other too. And so over the last few weeks, our leadership has been talking about the timing. Now, we haven't, uh, have, haven't uh, come up with a firm decision of what time we're going to exactly go back yet we'll be making that announcement next week but at the moment um, the government has said to us that at 70 percent churches are open at 80 percent uh, churches can be open with vaccinated and unvaccinated people present and on the 1st of December uh, the, the there's going to be a further lessening of restrictions so the 80 percent rule there's still a four square meter rule masks and no singing but on the 1st of December there's going to be uh, no masks singing and we could come back together uh, in that. So if you could pray for the leadership in the next few days as they think through the pros and cons of opening up at 80% or uh, 1st of December, we've decided as we've already communicated, we're not gonna go back on the 70%, uh, that's a bit too early. But in the next few weeks, our teams are gonna be reorganizing ourselves and we'd love to hear from you too if you have anything you'd like to share. 
Awesome. Thanks, Stu. And there also was something else that we were talking about earlier uh, to do with the shock absorber. Did you want to share yeah, that one? Yeah. So we, we've got a conference coming up and I have a little prop here, Gemma, that oh, I've brought along to illustrate. Now, this is this is cool. Look at this. So Louise got this from someone at work. I don't know if it can get it on camera. This is actually a shock absorber for a truck, I think. It's like the biggest wow. shock absorber I've ever seen. And some people have said to us, why are you calling the conference shock absorber? What does that mean? And basically we've come up with this uh, metaphor for church life together that uses a shock absorber. And the idea is that um, just like a car driving down the road will uh, drive over bumps, it needs its shock absorber to help us to help it to drive over the bumps in the road. Well, as a church, as we drive through time, we'll hit cultural bumps in the road. And what we've been talking about with the shock absorber principle, that uh, young people are like the shock absorber of our church in that they, they help us with their, our flexibility. Now, all of us have flexibility, but often uh, young people have a lot of flexibility and they're able to adjust to change quickly. And so the shock absorber uh, is saying, let's listen to our young people as they help us to understand culture. But the other thing about a shock absorber is a shock absorber needs to be flexible and strong. And this is so strong, I can't actually even push this <laughs> down hardly. But the strength from this shock absorber comes from the steel. And the other half of the metaphor is that just as young people tend to be flexible, adults in our church tend to have the, the strength that can help make the shock, shock absorber strong. So a shock absorber needs to be strong and flexible and all ages can contribute in that. And so what we're saying at our church is we have an all-age, all-stage church and the Shock Absorber Conference is about how can we, as a church at Soul Revival, come together more in our generations to have a conversation about faith with each other. Now, we already do things like Commitments Week where we're starting to experiment having Bible studies mixing. We're having, uh, usually we have Week Away together, we have Christmas and Easter, but over the last couple of years we haven't had mm. some of those things. So we thought, let's have a conference, it'll be online, and we're going to talk about how in our church are we going to go forward into 2022 with this shock absorber principle where we have a conversation with our young and old. It's not about you know being a church that, that is just for old people in this service or young people in this service or kids minister or youth ministry, but what are the gatherings uh, able to do to be intergenerational so that we can be one church and we all come together? So that's that. Um, we're also going to say if there are other churches that are interested in popping in, they can have a conversation with us about it too. So that'll be fun if some other churches mm. jump in. But yeah, intergenerational ministry, symbolised by the shock absorber, is becoming quite popular and we, we have been... Uh, being a part of that for a long time. So that's what we're going to talk about. Well, thank you for that, Stu. That is um, really exciting that we yeah, can cool. look forward to so many awesome things happening at church and uh, that the end is in sight where we might be able to come back together really soon. Um, now we're going to have a song. So enjoy um, and we'll be back very soon. Searching for answers 
song. Um, I really hope you guys are still enjoying uh, singing praises even at home. I know it's not the same as being all together um, but it's still really cool to be singing praises to our God while we are at home. Um, I am joined again with Katie and you said there was another guest that would be joining us. Yes uh, Lionel called me to say that he couldn't be here today but he has he sent a replacement and it's his littlest brother Messi but he oh oh is uh, he? Is, I think he's here, Messi. Th- Are you here? Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Oh, hi, Messi. Oh, hi, guys. How are um, you? Uh, I'm. I'm good. You, uh, is something wrong? Well, uh, Lionel asked me to be on today, and uh, I. I just. Um, I don't know if I'm. If I'm the right person to be here. What do you mean? Oh well, uh, I'm not loud like Lionel. Um. I don't like cleaning like Lionel. Um, I'm not green like Lionel. Aww. Yeah. So, uh, do you want do you want to get someone else? Well, Messi, you're here. You're so you're panel. you're on the panel. You're doing it. Am I? You yeah. are already. Already. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and. I want to know about you. You don't have to be like Lionel. You be like yourself. Tell me a bit about you. What do you like? Um, I like uh, playing volleyball. Okay, oh, volleyball. You've got the arms for volleyball. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like uh, long walks on the beach. Long walks on the beach. Oh. They're lovely. Yeah. Um, and I like uh, carrots. Oh, carrots. carrots. Carrots are yum. Oh, that's a pretty good food choice, well, I have to say. Messi, you thought you couldn't do it. You shouldn't be on the podcast, but you're actually on the panel right now. Am I? You're here. Yeah. Already? Yeah. Already. You're wow. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this you, is fun. You didn't have to do anything. You just had to show up. It is fun, isn't it? I like showing up. Yeah. yeah. You you didn't have to do anything and you just had to be confident and be here and talk with us. That's all you had to do. We as Christians, all we have to do is have confidence and believe that we are saved. We are forgiven by God through Jesus. That's all we have to do. If we have confidence, we have that assurance that we are children of God. We are saved. And so Messi was a little bit worried. He didn't think he could do it. He didn't think he could come onto the panel. And sometimes we may think, oh, maybe we can't be a Christian. We can't, we're not doing a good job. Well, if you believe in Jesus, your sins are forgiven and you are a Christian. That is pure assurance. That's a big word, but that means something that you know. Now in 1 John chapter 2, which is the verse we are talking about today that we'll hear from Tim, um, it says, and this is actually really funny because it's kind of addressed to you kids. It says, children, I am writing to you because your sins have been forgiven in the name of Christ. It says right here in the Bible that your sins are forgiven and you are a Christian if you believe that, no matter what. So you may think 
all these thoughts about I'm not a good Christian or I messed up or anything like that. That doesn't matter. You are a Christian and you can be assured of that. That's assurance. Remember, that's something you're sure of. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that cool, Messi? You know something I'm sure of? What? You're fun. Oh, thanks, Messi. (laughs) We think you're fun too. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Yeah, hopefully you can make another appearance really soon. Yeah. Will you be here next week? Mm, Might be busy. We'll see. Okay. All right. That'll be a surprise. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. No problem. Tell Lionel we said hi. I will. And we miss him. I miss him too. Oh, that's so nice. Well, that was really lovely. Uh, What we are going to do now is we are going to be reading the Bible and hearing about what that passage says in 1 John, and Ian's going to be doing that for us. Today's Bible reading comes from 1 John, chapter 2, verses 3 to 17. We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, And the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. the Bible reading. That was excellent. Um, I'm now joined with Tim, who is going to be uh, preaching for us. How are you going, Tim? I'm doing really well, thank you. That is excellent. Um, And this is our second sermon in the new series, so that's really exciting. Yeah, so we studied uh, 1 John. We've we've come out of Hebrews. If you somehow missed last week, we finished our Hebrew series. We're looking at 1 John and we're spending our time in uh, not all of chapter 2, but a, a big bulk of chapter 2 today, as we've heard Ian read for us. Yeah, excellent. Well, I'll let you take it away. No worries. Well, um, I'm actually going to start with a question for you guys. Uh, I've uh, asked my uh, Facebook uh, friends this during the week as well, but imagine that you're hosting a 90s party uh, and I want you to tell me what one song must be on the playlist for the 90s party. Uh, Who wants to go first? Do you want to go first, Katie? Oh, I'll go first. All right. Um, Okay. So... Probably Destiny's Child, say my name. I don't know that one, but oh, you're sure. It's, it's a banger. It's, it's how Beyonce started. Okay. Iconic. I don't think I know anything by Beyonce either, but um, <laughs> it's, it's okay. Apparently she's famous. She's that one that does the songs, right? 
yeah. the ladies. Oh, yeah. that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know one song. Yeah, yeah. Great. There, okay. you go. Yep. there you go. Um, I would probably head down the Spice Girls road okay. and go for a bit of um, not wannabe because I feel like that's like very like basic. But I would go for Stop because it has a little dance. Mm-hmm. It's like, Stop right now. Thank you very much. I need somebody with human touch. Hey, you always on the run. Got to slow it down, baby. Gotta have some fun. Yeah. So that was what I, that's yeah, what I'd pick. <laughs> we didn't portray that already. Yeah. No. It's like we <laughs> choreographed. Um, Chore- Choreograph that a uh, long time coming. Uh, that's I do know that one, yeah, as well. That's that's yep. I had that on my playlist. Um, here are a few of the other answers. Uh, Savage Garden, no, Savage Garden. Uh, no. Savage Garden. You've heard of them? Okay, that's all right. Um, uh, Backstreet Boys. Oh, yep. yes. Uh, Cotton Eye Joe. Oh, yeah, oh that's that, a good one. Where did you go? That was um, when uh, Soul Revival dance parties in the late 90s, early 2000s, when uh, that, was a, that was a must-have. That was on regularly. Uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit uh, was another one. Alanis Morissette came up a bit. Smashing Pumpkins. Um, All-Star by Smash Mouth. Hey, now, you're an All-Star. I thought that was like a 2000s song. On. Is it? I don't know. I didn't Who actually fact-check any of the suggestions. <laughs> so, uh, Yothi Indie Treaty. Was another one? No, Katie's got no idea what yeah. we're talking about. Um, the Spice Girls came up. Matt Redman from our Sunday morning service, he was really helpful because he actually thought that I was talking about the 1890s. Oh. Um, so he suggested the Mockingbird Whistling Song by John York <laughs> Attlee. You know the one that's on you? Yeah. No, nah, okay, anyway. That wasn't um, that much of an indication. No, just that's all right. <laughs> um, and, and another good mate of mine, uh, Luke Collins, he had a whole lot of rap artists that I'd never heard of. Uh, Blackstreet. Warren G, Mark Morrison. Yeah, no, I, I, I drew a blank on all of those as well. I had no idea. Sadly, no one got the right answer because there is a right answer right, to the question. Okay. Um, the right answer, of course, is Pretty Fly for a White Guy uh, by The Offspring from 1998. Uh, that's the correct answer to the question. Uh, and the reason that's the correct answer because that's the song that has been in my mind as I've been meditating on 1 John 2. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you're not familiar with the song, uh, it recounts the attempts of a particular very uncool white male uh, trying to pass as a much cooler dude by tapping into some of the aspects of uh, popular subcultures, ones that are more typically sort of Central or Latin American migrant communities. So, he, you know, in the song, he's trying to get into rap music. He tries to buy Ice Cube but ends up with a much more uncool vanilla ice. Uh, he tries to tap into the sort of the underground gangland culture and get a 13 tattooed on his body but ends up with a 31 instead, which isn't as cool apparently. Um, he's saying he's fly but he's, he's not quite hip uh, in the words of the song. You see, the, the thing going on with Pretty Fly for a White Guy is he's trying to say the right things uh, and wear the right things, listen to the right music, get the right cultural trappings in place, uh, but it's just not him. Uh, and for those who are truly part of that Latino-American subculture, they can spot an imposter a mile away. There's this inconsistency in the character between what he says he is and what he actually is. Uh, and it's his inability to live out that identity that betrays the fact that he doesn't actually belong to that community subculture in the first place. He's an imposter. Uh, and the reason I've been thinking about Pretty Fly for a White Guy this week uh, is because as I read through 1 John 2, it's that same kind of inconsistency. It's that kind of imposter syndrome that the original readers of John's letter are facing. Uh, There's those in the community who claim to be Christians, who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, but who in fact show by their actions that they are not who they say they are. Uh, So we're going to read through uh, this section again. If you put your Bibles away, pull them out, whether on your phone or an analogue one. Um, But we're going to read through this section, 1 John chapter 2. This is... um, This chapter is about recognising who is truly part of God's family, those who may claim the title um, and the evidence that is there that shows who they are. Um, Before we read through it again, though, I just want to make a couple of comments about the tone of the letter as it's written. Uh, And a shout out to my mate Matthew Payne, uh, who recently wrote an article on 1 John, which is very helpful in my understanding of this chapter as I prepared this week. 
Uh, there's a common way of reading the letter of 1 John, uh, including by one of my very favourite Christian authors ever, the late John Stott. Uh, he wrote a commentary about 1 John that I've again been reading through this week. Uh, and he talk, talks about how we can see the letter as presenting a series of tests. And we see this in the language that John uses. He uses a lot of if statements. Uh, and there were a number of them, if you listen to uh, the passage already. If we keep his commands. If anyone obeys his word. If anyone loves their brothers and sisters. If anyone loves the world. As we hear these if statements, you can see this kind of test language that's kind of coming through. Uh, it's there, um, then there's value in this approach. I think that this is part of what John is doing. But again, if we come to what the tone is that he's trying to preach, uh, there's two possible ways we can understand those if statements, two different tests that we could conceive of him doing. One possibility is to hear this kind of test type language as kind of like the HSC, uh, which a number of our brothers and sisters are studying for at the moment. So prayers to you guys. Um, but in the HSC, in a lot of tests that we do for school or university, maybe even in the workplace, uh, the test is basically if you get these marks, then we might give you the place at the university or the college or the whatever the reward is for the test. Uh, but you have to prove yourself. Your place at uni is not guaranteed. It's contingent upon you receiving a good enough score in the test. And that kind of a test, if you pass this, then you will get this. That kind of test produces anxiety because it's all up to us and we don't yet know the outcome. It's all on us to be good enough to earn the place. And if you stuff up your exam, well, too bad. You don't get the reward. So that's one kind of test. But we can conceive of another kind of test that may be a classification type test that you're investigating things, you're trying to see what kind of object this is or what kind of animal this is. And we use a simple phrase all the time, don't we? If it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it must be... A duck. A duck. Thanks, Katie. Um, this isn't a test like the HSC where we don't know the outcome. It's all up to us to do the best we can. The, the classification test is just determining if the duck really is what it says it is. Uh, if we walk into the Nasho and we spot a koala in the tree, we can administer the classification test. Does it walk like a duck? Nah. Does it quack like a duck? Nah. Is it a duck? Nah. Uh, on the other hand, you can go to Camellia Gardens, go for a walk around the lake, uh, and you see a bird life, and you go, well, does it walk like a duck? Yeah. Does it quack like a duck? Yeah. Yeah, it's a duck. So this kind of test is not anxiety-producing uh, in the same way as a HSC test might be. In fact, you can imagine a situation where there was an anxious duck that was a little bit confused about its identity, uh, and you administer the test to it and you say, dude, like, you're a duck. Yeah, you walk like a duck. You crack like a duck. You are a test. And in this way, the test for the poor little anxious duck is reassuring. It gives comfort to the poor duck. It's okay. You really are a duck. Now, I don't know if I stretched that analogy too far <laughs> or not. Um, but when we read 1 John 2... Here's the question that we're going to ask as we read through it again. Is John talking about a HSE-type test that produces anxiety? Or is he talking about a duck classification-type test which produces comfort and assurance? What do you reckon? Well, I've kind of set it up with an obvious answer, but you yeah. can just say that anyway. Yeah, the, the classification. Yeah, good, excellent. Well done, thanks. Um, <laughs> Let's have another read. If you've got your Bible, turn to 1 John 2 verse 3 and let's see how this language works and what John is trying to do in this passage. Here's what he says. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. You know, this is the koala that's trying to masquerade as a duck. Uh, it's the pretty fly guy. Um, it, you don't 
walk like a duck. You, you don't quack like a duck. You're not a duck. You don't actually know anything about rap music. You don't understand Latino gangland culture. You're not one of us. And this was the problem with the church that John is writing to. If there are those amongst you who are not following God's commands, who are not obeying his words, then they're not disciples of Jesus. They're not in his kingdom. John's not saying this in a harsh, judgmental way. He's not saying, oh, therefore those people are damned for all eternity outside the gates of eternity. He's not saying that. He's just making a matter-of-fact observation. You say you're a Christ follower, but you don't actually follow Christ's commands. You're not a duck. So who is a Christ follower? Well, let's continue with verse 5. If anyone obeys his word... Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So again, hear his tone. This isn't the tone of a HSC examiner. All right, let's see if you did well enough on the tests. No, no, it's the tone of a pastor comforting his people. My dear friends, my dear little ducks, this is how you know you're a duck. Verse 7. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you had from the beginning. In other words, the standard hasn't changed. The goalposts haven't moved. This old command is the message you have heard. And yet, I am writing you a new command. And this is a bit confusing. But what he's saying is, it, it is the old command, but of course, Jesus changes everything. So it is also the new command because Jesus has reaffirmed it. The truth is seen in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Dear little duck, this is how you know you're a duck. How do we know that we're truly his, truly a disciple of Jesus? Well, we do what Jesus commands. We do what Jesus did. We love God and we love others. This is the true test of the Christian. The Christian is one who loves their brothers and their sisters he takes this up again in verse 10. Anyone who loves their brothers and sisters lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I'm sure if you've been paying attention, uh, you'll be aware that words like love and truth and light uh, are not words that are commonly used to describe our current cultural moment. We're much more likely to hear words like anger, distrust, post-truth, the fracturing of society, culture wars, this group over here is harming this group over there. You know, whether the topic is global warming, vaccines, domestic violence, our Indigenous communities, men and women's roles in leadership, racial issues, you know, all of these are multifaceted, complex issues. And it's really common as we observe the outside world, as we watch our media and our social media, to see fighting about these things. And sadly, we even see fighting about these things in the church. This particular moment that we are in, as Jesus already said, that where we're, your leaders are thinking about how do we best reopen how do we best come together for face-to-face -face gatherings as we emerge out of this COVID lockdown? This is one of the most significant moments we have ever had as a church. In our own Soul Revival community, we don't all agree on all of the details about reopening, about vaccinations, and a whole host of other issues that are involved in those decisions. And that's okay. Our leadership are seeking to listen to every single person and to make the wisest decision that they possibly can. But here is the mark of the Christian. Here is the mark of the Christian community. We love our brothers and our sisters. Not just when we agree, I mean, that's easy, but particularly when, especially when we disagree. So when we come to have conversations with each other, when we come to disagree with one another, 
we come with this attitude. You are my sister. You are my brother in Christ. You are united to God by the blood of Jesus. I am united to God by the blood of Jesus. And as someone who loves you and you as someone who loves me, as two people, as a whole community who is seeking to walk in the light together, now let's have this conversation, even this disagreement. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions and envies. These things must, uh, sorry, these things might characterise the types of conversations we see in the media and online and sadly even by some who call themselves Christians. But as the Apostle Paul says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God because they evidence by their actions that they're not actually who they say they are. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the test. But again, it's not, it's not like a HSC test. You know, we're not anxiously trying to be patient enough so that maybe, fingers crossed, God will let us into his family. No, no. It, it's just a classification test. Are you loving your brothers and sisters? Are you seeing joy, patience, faithfulness, self-control in your life? Then, dear friends, you are a Christian. You can be confident in this. So that's the first section in this, this chunk of Scripture, uh, the classification test. This is what a Christian is. This is how they act. This is how you can spot one in the wild. Now, but then John goes on to his second section where he writes to three categories of Christians. Uh, the first group that he writes to are those who are young in the faith. Have a look at verse 12. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And later in verse 13, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. Here is the very basic seed of faith in everyone who is a follower of Jesus. Uh, this might be actual children. Kids, are you listening? Come back. Come back, kids. Come. <laughs> All right. Kids, John the Apostle has written this verse and he's talking to you. Your sins are forgiven. You know the Father. You are his. Thanks. You can go back to colouring in now. Good job. <laughs> It's a beautiful part of faith to be reminded of the very basics. But it might not just be actual children in this group. It might be those who are young in faith. Maybe you've only been a Christian for a few weeks or a few months uh, and the whole Christian thing is new to you. John's also writing to those who are young in the faith. Hold on to these basics. If nothing else, just know this. You know the Father, you are forgiven. It's that simple. It might also be, in this group, those who are struggling with their faith. Maybe you're struggling with life. Maybe you hear those if statements before and you actually did feel like it was a bit of a HSC type test and maybe you feel like you're failing. Maybe you feel quite vulnerable, like a little child, when it comes to faith. Well, John's also writing to you. Dear little duck, Dear children, your sins are forgiven. You know the Father. So that's the first group. The second group John writes to are the mature saints. And we are really greatly blessed by our elders here at Soul Revival. People like Pete and Bev Crawshaw, Elva Redmond, Brian Archer, John and Carol Bucknell, many, many others. And as Soul Revival continues to grow, our number of older saints will increase as well. You guys are a huge blessing to our church. And here is what John writes to our senior saints, verse 13 and 14. I'm writing to you fathers, mothers, senior saints, elders in our church. I'm writing to you because you know him who is from the beginning. Uh, John Stott, who I mentioned earlier, he writes about these verses and about our senior saints and he says this, their first flush of ecstasy in receiving forgiveness and fellowship with the Father was an experience of long ago. The fathers have progressed into a deeper communion with God 
their knowledge of him ripens with the years. We are so greatly blessed to have those among us who have a deep knowledge of him who is from the beginning, whose knowledge of God is deep and long and wide, who have been Christians for longer than some of us have even been alive. And it's so awesome for us to be in community with them in our regular gatherings. And as we come back together in the coming months, make sure you take advantage of that. Take advantage of getting to know our church elders. And may God bless the rest of us with the depth of maturity to one day also be called church mothers and church fathers ourselves. So that's group one and group two. The third group John writes to are those he describes as young men, by which he means men and women, both of us, who are in between children and older saints. That's probably the majority of us who are listening and watching today. We are the ones at the forefront of the fight for the kingdom, the fight against the evil one of this world. We're the ones who are facing those battles day after day after day, just trying to live as disciples of Jesus. And here's what John writes to us. I'm writing to you, young men and women, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, young men, young women, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Notice again that assurance, the confidence John has in his readers. He knows that they are Christians. And as Christians, he's encouraging them to keep living Christ's way. You have overcome the evil one by clinging on to Christ and putting your hope in him. So keep on going, clinging on to Christ and putting your hope in him. Which brings us to the very last section. And then I've got a couple of questions. Uh, John writes this in verse 15. Do not love the world, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now we could do a whole sermon just on those three verses, which we're not going to do. Um, But I just again want us to notice how John is framing his letter. We said at the start that John is not coming with a clipboard and a HSC-style exam. He's not testing us to see if anyone is worthy of being a Christian. It isn't a test in the sense of having to measure up to see if you'll make the grade, whether you'll actually be good enough for God, whether you'll actually be worthy of eternity. Now, John's using these if statements as like a classification test. You see, my dear children, If you love the Father, if your sins are forgiven, if you love the light, if you love your brothers and sisters, if you cling to Jesus, if your love is for the kingdom and not for this world, you see, dear children, you are Christians. You are his. So keep at it. If you had an anxious duck that didn't know it was a duck, you would help her to see that She really was a duck. You do walk like a duck. You do quack like a duck. You eat like a duck. You are a duck. Oh, but I haven't quacked in weeks. It's been months since I last paddled in the lake. I've been walking with a limp. Okay, little duck. So walk back to the water. Come paddle with the other ducks. Quack your little heart out because you are a duck. You may not have read your Bible or talk to God for some time. You may realise that you've been chasing after the lust of the world rather than the joy of the kingdom. You may have found yourself getting angry and hating your brothers and sisters who disagree with you on this or that. Yes, very important topic. But dear friends, you know this is not who you are. You know him. You know the Father. Your sins are forgiven. You have overcome So, walk back to the water. Come on. Come paddle around with the other ducks. Quack your little heart out, because you are a child of the living God. So, here's my question for you guys. Uh, Has there been a time, you don't have to delve all the intricate details, but 
have there been a time when you, you felt like you were failing as a Christian? Uh, and the follow-up question is, is there confidence you, you feel you can get from this passage? Do you want to go, Katie? Oh. <laughs> I'll go first. Um, I think growing up, I would feel like I was a failure because I didn't understand. So I would call myself a duck, <laughs> but I would kind of forget that I need the father duck. So I would try and do all the things the duck should do and do it because I want to look like a duck. But when it comes to being a Christian, you need to walk the walk, talk the talk and know that there's nothing you can do except have the grace of God Mm. and faith and assurance in that. And I used to think that I had to do all the right things to do that. And when I did fail, I would then feel like I was a horrible Christian, but I don't think I understood that that meant that I actually wasn't living a way a Christian should be living, Mm. I think. Um, So kind of... Similar to that because that's probably something I struggle with the most, that perfectionistic trying to look like the perfect Christian when you can't be. You can't be the perfect duck (laughs) ever. Um, So I think, yeah, that's probably that. And also when I go through, like when I get anxious and I um, try to not listen to God or remember that he's there and try and do it in my own strength and then I'm – like oh I'm not trusting in him enough and I'm not putting my faith in him and knowing that it's all gonna turn out according to his plan in that point I just want that control um so that's another area that I think I probably fail at and that this passage assures me that I have those older wise role models to Mm. talk to to help me with that and to also I have brothers and sisters who are probably going through similar things to me to help me get through that um, so, yeah, I think this passage is super encouraging. Um, listening to you, just so I was, I was, it was really encouraged by it. And um, yeah, there's so much to take from that rich mm. passage. Yeah, yeah. epic. Um, I think for me, I was just having a little think just then. Um, I feel like the moments where I feel like I'm failing as a Christian is often when um, life is not normal. So right now, things are a little bit out of control. Um, right before COVID, I was on an exchange trip and that was not my like normal life. And I think um, when you aren't, when I'm not surrounded by church or by my brothers and sisters in Christ, I think... Um, I get in this mindset that I have to do everything by myself and I have to be suddenly this really like hyperactive, like do everything, like tick all the boxes kind of um, Christian. And I think um, I've really been thinking about how like I am a child of God and I am um, justified and that I actually am not the person that has to do the justifying. And I've really been thinking about that recently because we can um, very easily get caught up in trying to do all the things and like Katie said like try and be the duck and try and do all these things but it's like well actually you are a duck like you don't actually need to go out of your way to be like trying really hard to be a duck because like obviously you do all these things when you are a duck because mm. you're a duck and those things are natural to you yeah, yeah they just flow out they of just who flow you are. out mm. and when you're like when you're a duck you're not trying to fly or you're not trying to swim but you do those things because that's in your nature to do that and I think um, I've really recently been trying to think about how it's actually not me and I don't need to justify myself because God has, but also he has put the Holy Spirit in me to be a duck and to be like a child of God and to do all of those things. Um, so yeah, and I also really loved how, um, this is not meant to be an anxiety thing. I think coming out of Hebrews and um, talking a lot about like the warnings and kind of thinking about the more like challenging kind of questions, I feel like it's really lovely to come here to this passage and just like um, chat about how like this is meant to be a comfort and we're meant to be reminded like you are a child of God um, and you are forgiven. And I feel mm. like that's really valuable. Um, I actually have a question for you. Yeah, go for um, it. So you talked a bit about uh, the three age groups, so the children, the elders, um, and those in the middle. What um, is the value of having these in the church? 
Yeah, I think um, yeah, one of the great values, obviously, that we hold uh, really dear to us at Soul Revival is um, that we do have these different age groups and and you know, different generations and stuff, um, but we actually are intentionally bringing them all together. Uh, and now John doesn't actually go into that specifically, but I suppose it's kind of there in the subtext because there are other forms of church expression where you sort of gather people who are like each other. And so what that would mean is you would gather all your, uh, your elders of the church and you put them in this service over here. And then you gather all of the, the young people, the, the teenagers or maybe the children in their particular ministries and you, you put them over here. Uh, and then you have another little bucket where you have all the, the middle-aged people that are just, you know, d- doing all that middle young person kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and they, they're in a bucket over here. Um, and in, in that way, you could say, well, John's just speaking to each of those groups, each of those congregations, right? But actually, uh, the strength uh, that comes through, I think, um, in the subtext here, but certainly we make explicit at Soul Revival, is there's value in not separating them out. Um, because those of us who are in the middle and the young people who are just starting out in their faith, they just have the very basics, mm. they need the experience of the old people. I mean, how great is it when you sit down, you have a cup of tea or you share dinner or breakfast with someone who's been a Christian for 60 years mm. and has walked alongside Jesus for 60 years uh, and you can just go and say, wow, teach me. Like, help me to know the God that you have known from the very beginning. Like, mm. that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I know that so many of our um, uh, elders love just watching our kids and our teenagers uh, and, and some of our young adults who are new to faith and just seeing that joy and that mm. newness of just going, I'm forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> I know the Father. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, and like just seeing the joy that comes from a newness, whether it is an actual child or, or someone who's mm. just young in faith, but there's a great joy there. And, and those of us who are in the middle who are fighting that fight, uh, in you know, again, we, we look down and we hang out with kids uh, mm. or with teenagers and we just see there's such a joyfulness there mm. of getting to know God for the first time. We're like, oh, yeah. that's right. That's what that's like. Because I can get tired of being a Christian sometimes and I see, oh, there's that, there's that joy again. Uh, but I also need to look up mm. and I need to see and hang out and have breakfast and go for coffees with those who have known Jesus forever uh, and have said, Oh, yeah, Tim, I remember when I was in my, what am I now? I'm almost 40. Yeah, when, you, <laughs> you know, when we're, we're in that you know, middle bracket of life, oh, here's how we follow Jesus. Mm. Um, oh, I look back now and that was so long ago and here's the things that Jesus taught me during that period. And I was like, oh, I so need that. Um, and so even though it's not explicitly here in John, I think he does kind of hint at the fact that, yes, put it, putting them all together, uh, is really, really valuable. And that's why, again, one of our explicit values at Soul Revival is to be an all-age, all-stage church. And each of our gatherings, um, all six that we have, yep, got that number right, um, <laughs> are all intentionally all-age, all-stage mm. um, because we see that bringing all of those different experiences of faith together is really formative for everyone's faith. Mm. Yeah, that's super valuable. And I think like it's so evident even in ministry, um, like Katie, for you as a kids leader, like you get to watch those kids kind of come up and through youth and then into young adults. And I feel like it's a really valuable thing to start those relationships so early so that when we are like, you know, all together and um, in church, like you can look around and be like, oh, I led these kids at youth and they taught me so much. And then also look up to the people that led you or like Mm. helped you um, with your faith. And I feel like that's really... Mm really valuable that's that's one of my favorite things about what we do Mm. is that on any particular night I can go from having a sit down chat hug you know warm and fuzzy time with Bev um to then running around playing chasings with the kids Mm. that's something that I love and And then and then talk with your peers who go in the same life stage as you yeah and then talk with my peers. It's, it's awesome. Like it's, <laughs> I, I can't really put words around how wonderful it is. And as, as a kids leader, also as a youth leader, and a, I'm part of the late night team at church, being able to see the different stages and how they all hang out with each other mm. and how they all value each other is wonderful. Like mm. I, one of my some of my biggest role models are in my bridal party and then one of 
the girls I used to lead at youth group is in my bridal party and now they're all my peers, they're all my friends as mm. well. And one of the kids that I lead is my flower girl. Like, I just am very passionate about it. So <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so beautiful and so um, wonderful. And I I think um, I'd really encourage like everyone to just like think about maybe who's like above you and who are who are your elders and who are your like middle people and then who are um, the children or like young to faith in your life and um, maybe think about spending some time mm. with different people and kind of mixing it up a bit and even in this time where like we can't all be together still reaching out and checking in uh, with each other is super important um now we are going to um pray so i'm just going to hand over to that and we'll be back very soon hi everyone let's talk to god together will you pray with me our loving Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks because you are powerful and good and you love us deeply. Father, thank you that through Jesus we can have fellowship with you and with one another. And we give thanks for the reminder that you give us through 1 John. We pray that you would continue to grow and shape us to become more like Jesus. Lord, we pray that in our fellowship you would help us to love one another well and particularly during this time, help us to intentionally reach out to each other and stay connected. Lord, we pray too uh, that when disagreements come up, particularly in the season where things are uncertain and forever changing and many decisions need to be made, we pray that you would help us to work things out well together, uh, to disagree in healthy and helpful ways uh, and Lord, as we do this, please help us to be kind to one another, to be quick to listen and slow to speak, to be able to listen with empathy and in seeking to understand the other. Help us not to judge, uh, but help us to treat one another as your precious children made in your image. And so, Father, when we interact with one another, please help us to be thoughtful and seek the good of others. And please help us to be a calm, non-anxious presence as well. We pray that we would persevere in practicing these things, particularly as they don't come naturally to us. And Lord, in these uncertain and anxious times, we pray that we would entrust all our anxieties into your hands, knowing that you can bear them. Uh, we pray for the many decisions that need to be made. Uh, we pray for parents uh, as they seek to interact with kids during school holidays. And um, we pray too uh, as they seek to homeschool and also in sending kids back to school when schools reopen. Lord, we pray too for HSC students as they seek to study in times of ups and downs. We pray that you give them focus and that you would help them to learn well. And Father, we pray for uh, families um, who have other family members living further away and not being able to see each other. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would help them to stay connected, but also make uh, plans to see one another again when borders reopen. Lord, we know that the inability to plan makes us feel frustrated at times, but we pray that you would help us to do the best that we can, knowing that you have everything in your sovereign hands too. So help us to trust you and to know that you are faithful and that you comfort us in the midst of uncertain times. We know that nothing is in vain in you, uh, and that everything is purposeful, even if we don't understand right now. So Lord, please help us to cling to you. And Lord, please comfort us and give us a deep sense of peace that can only come from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for our sins so we can get eternal life. We are sorry for our sins, sorry for disappointing you and being selfish. 
We are sorry for saying mean things sometimes and not loving others all the time. Please help us to live for you. Help us to love others and be kind. We want to thank you for all the things you give us. Thank you for our families and all the people around us who love us. We thank you that we always have enough food in our bellies and thank you for our warm beds where we sleep each night. Thank you for our teachers at school. Thank you that they have worked so hard to be able to keep teaching us while we stay at home. Please help them have a restful holiday. Please help them recharge so that we can learn more in Term 4. Please help us be able to return to school in Term 4. May the Sixes get to have a farewell and may we be able to start doing normal things soon like sport and church. Thank you for listening to our prayers and caring about us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Grace and Shani, for praying. That was really lovely, especially after what we just spoke about. Um, it's really cool to see uh, both the younger and older and even older sometimes getting involved in our service. I like how you looked at me when you said even older. <laughs> yeah, that was really sorry. Good. I, was, that was, a good I segue. was just trying to look at uh, you for no particular reasons, too. Uh, <laughs> I am older. I love, I love being the even older. That's great. But it's great to have you back uh, on Thank the you. panel with us. Yep. Um, you were talking about the Shock Absorber Conference before yes. and you didn't actually mention um, one of the really cool things that we have going on right now with the Shock Absorber podcast. Yes. So do you want to chat about the most recent episode coming out? Yeah, sure. I'm really excited about the topic of the sermon today and also the conversation you guys had about different generations because uh, it, it is very biblical for us to have a church that's an intergenerational church and uh, sometimes people say, oh, can you, under can you unpack that for us a bit? So we started the Shock Absorber podcast to talk about how adults and youth can actually work together as a team. That's basically the summary of it. And so we just tell stories. We've done lots of different seasons on different things. But at the moment, we're looking at uh, that the, the church has an image problem with young people and, and adults actually can really help young people to understand how to follow Jesus. And we had an amazing adult on the show, Dave Lovell, who's the local leader of Christian Surfers Australia on to this week's podcast. And he's talking about the history of Christian Surfers and how he disciples young people and how he disciples other people his age. And it's just a terrific story. I'll just, I'll just give you one little bit of a glimpse on what you can expect if you listen to the Shock Absorber podcast on Monday it comes out. Well, Dave was telling a story about how in the early 80s, he and his wife Wendy went to England and they were all a bunch of surfers, him and his mates, and they all went to a punk concert and they went to go see the Ramones play at Brighton. And he tells the story of how they went there and it was literally like in the middle of the Sex Pistols era with everyone had big mohawks and leather jackets and safety pins and his four or five surfers walked into this room full of punks and he said it was one of the best concerts he's ever been to. And so, yeah, if you, like me, are in my generation, and you love uh, surf punk like Dave and I do, you might want to have a listen to that episode. It's really encouraging. But yeah, it's just a really lovely look at how we can cross our differences in our ages and actually be a family. So it's all about being a family. So yeah, if you want to get onto the Shock Absorber podcast, you might want to give it a listen. You can get it on Apple iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. And it's on YouTube too. Yeah, that's epic. And that one, the new one comes out on Monday. Monday, yeah, yeah. Yeah, epic. So you guys have to check that out. Um, also, Katie and I, the last time we spoke on this table, what were we doing? Oh, yes, we were on the Chip Lunch podcast. <laughs> yes, we were. Um, do you want to maybe like give a little summary of what we kind of chatted about, like a little taste? Yeah, so we talked about um, growing up as Christian women in high school and um, how to navigate that and the um, blessing it is to have other Christian um, friends to hold you accountable. That was kind of the thing that we were focusing on because we kind of had each other. Yeah, so. it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and we also spoke to Joel about those things. So that was really cool. Uh, so the Chip Lunch podcast is also something that uh, we have on our, like everywhere you can get podcasts. And we're actually going to include a little sneak peek at the end here. Um, but I think that's everything for this week so i think we'll just wrap it up with a uh a one, way. one way one way one way look um, i like to bring the bible in nerdily whenever one of the one of the first it. things i said to ethan was there was this bright light shining at me i was like ah oh, i'm like saul on the road to damascus <laughs> oh <my> god <laughs>
sealed the deal i just said it out loud it's just like it's ethan is a pastor's kid he's like oh, wow she's amazing she knows the bible so and a well. light shine from above <laughs> but i regret saying that so much because i said it in, i didn't mean to say it so loudly i was just saying it to myself <laughs>